Good evening, troops. Welcome to the Action Elite. My name is Owen. I am joined tonight by my good friend, Yuvian. How are you doing? I'm good. I was just uh, thinking how relaxing that intro music was, and all of a sudden, the Action Elite goes, <laughs> <laughs> I know, so, it scares the crap out of me every time. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely wakes you up. Um, so, as you all know, a uh, piece of sad news, uh, the great director, Richard Donner, passed away yesterday at the age of 91. So, we thought we wanted to pay a little tribute to him because he's done so many classic movies. And uh, we just thought we'd do a little video tribute where we don't know how long it'll take, maybe an hour or so, we'll see. But uh, I'll just start off with you, uh, Yuvian. So uh, what was the first film of Richard Donner that you saw? How were you introduced to, to him as a yeah. director? I mean, thanks for having me. It's been a while since we've done this, but uh -huh. good to see you. Happy Canada Day. And it was Independence Day over here. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to, I mean, I know Richard Donner. I don't think I quite understood that he did the Lethal Weapon movie and the Goonies like in the same year when I was a kid. Because, you know, I saw Goonies as a kid had it on VHS and saw Lethal Weapon at some point, but it's probably mm -hmm. one of those two. Probably like probably Goonies first, so just that was a little more age appropriate because I was in my my single digits. So mm -hmm. how about you? That's right. Um, yeah, probably Goonies uh, as well as Superman. Like I was obsessed with uh, Superman growing up, and as you can see here, I showed you this earlier. I'm showing everybody else. This is a bit of a, a collector thing. This is the vinyl music score to the original Superman by John Williams, which he directed. Um, that's awesome. I thought it was a laser disc at first, but it's even yeah. better. That yeah, I know. It's uh, just trying to get this on camera there. So yeah, so that's I almost, awesome. I almost forget. I probably saw Superman first, but the same thing. I just never think of Superman when I think of Richard Donner, even though that was like such a big hit for him and a big hit for you know for cinema, like set the stage, right? But like I just never think of that movie because for him, let's say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think everyone just sort of thinks Christopher Reeve, but they forget that uh, Richard Donner uh, was the director of it. But yeah, Superman. And Superman 2, um, although there's like the Donner cut of it, but those two I just almost consider like one story. Those to me are still like my favorite ever Superman movies. Uh, I, I love them. I, I, I love Christopher Reeve as the character. I love the music. And then uh, I still think Terrence Stamp is the best Zod. Uh, fight me, anybody who says otherwise. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, there's only one. It's like him and Michael Shannon, right? I don't think there was anyone in between. So, or yeah, maybe there was, but. People in Smallville, uh, the guy in Smallville. Oh, and then, you know, the, Smallville, and, come on, come on. Yeah, TV shows don't count. But yeah, yeah. Terrence Stamp was just amazing as uh, Zod. And then you had, of course, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor and then Margot Kidder as uh, Lois Lane. So, yeah, those Superman movies. Oh, yes, they're a bit corny by today's standards. You know, you know, sometimes it's a little cringeworthy, but I still love watching them. And no one is ever going to beat that John Williams theme tune. That is the Superman yeah. theme. Always will be. Yeah, never. Um, I mean, and, and the cast he had. I mean, we, between Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder and Gene Hackman and, and you know Marlon Brando. I mean, that movie. It's a real movie for sure. And like how how hard it was for him to make that. I mean, you watch those making up and just, you know, the producers didn't know what it was and, you know, they, you know, they kind of make it camp. He made it serious and it's just a testament to him. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just, yeah, it's an amazing film. I mean, it is, like you said, like maybe like today stands a little bit slow, but at that time, and you got to think this was what, 1978, that's mm. groundbreaking stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then that whole opening scene on Krypton with Marlon Brando is uh, amazing. I mean, even whenever Zack Snyder did the Man of Steel movie, I mean, that opening scene was very much the same as kind of just a, a remake, but I still, I just thought there was more emotion in Superman. Just uh, whenever Marlon Brando's giving the speech, you know, uh, the father becomes the son, the son becomes the father. Just that that whole speech is amazing. So yeah, definitely love Superman, Superman two, um, and then the Goonies well, was well, Superman three. I mean, I know it's not Dick Donner, but Superman three <laughs> with the money and the you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, it's sort of a guilty pleasure, Superman three. Yeah. Um, and then I know J-Man actually likes Superman 3, and I think he likes Superman 4 as well, because I see J-Man has commented here, and he says, R.I.P. Richard Donner. Hi, Jay. Uh, and then Superman 78 was probably the first Donner film I ever saw, but I didn't learn his name until I saw Lethal Weapon 4 in theaters. And yeah. I think we can talk about later, too, or just, you know, really quick, is just, you know, people are understanding, like, he did a lot of just, like, big hit movies. Like, he kept Warner Brothers in the money for a long time, but he's not, mm -hmm. he was not a household name in that sense, because, you know, he never won an Oscar, that kind of thing. But that guy had worked for so long and he had done TV with everybody, done all these, you know, very familiar shows, done all these hit movies. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those weird things. I guess he just never chased that. Like, he just didn't seem like that kind of guy. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like with Spielberg, you're like, oh, it's a Spielberg movie and everybody knows about it. It was like an, an event in itself. But Richard Donner was just sort of a, I, I, I don't know if I like the term journeyman director, uh, but I, I, that's sort of the way it was where it, he didn't have like an iconic name. Uh, Louis Spielberg did, but he's still a, a great director and 
uh, I think he always seemed to have a great rapport with his actors and he, he worked with them a lot, you know, like Mel Gibson um, and then even like Steve Cahan, who was Lieutenant Ed Murphy in uh, Lethal Weapon. He would appear in like various movies as well. He's so. Maverick, he's in Demolition Man. He's in, yeah. I think he's in Predator too, isn't he? I mean, he's in a he lot is, of yeah. those. And of course, that whole partnership with Joel Silver and that kind of thing. So, I mean, those, mm -hmm. those guys really defined an era of film for sure in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But the, the Goonies, I watched pretty much on repeat as a kid. I loved that movie. It was just, it's just everything a kid wants. Just you know, adventure, and then you got pirate ships, and uh, I, I love the character of Sloth. Was hey you guys, and all that. That was amazing. It's, it's, it's just really funny the whole thing with Chunk and you know making the fake puke and then getting the ice cream. It's, yeah. like, it's a very just quotable film. Like all the characters are so a the characters are so well defined and so well portrayed by the actors. You know what I mean? So he just you know brings it all together. It's just it's a really it's always saying you, you look at his movies and they always look like they're a lot of fun. Even Lethal Weapon, which has some really dark moments, but it's still like really fun moments as well. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we'll go into Lethal Weapon in a, in a minute because there's like so much to discuss about that. But uh, yeah, in terms of Goonies, that was like one of the first movies I saw Corey Feldman in and uh, Sean Astin. And <laughs> uh, I, I just lo loved them in it. But uh, also like John Matuzak, who actually played Sloth, who actually passed away quite okay. a few years ago, sadly, but uh, he actually had a brief action career uh, and he did uh, One Man Force. I don't know if anybody remembers that movie from the early 90s, but it had an awesome like electric guitar-fueled score. Uh, okay. And okay. he spent most of the movie shouting and just punching people, and that's fine did by he, me. Was he conventionally handsome without the makeup, or what did he look like? Was he like a big like a big? No, he was a football guy, player. Or? Okay. Uh, he was a football player. He had a beard. Um, and I mean, I think you can find a, a trailer at least online on YouTube for uh, One Man Force. And uh, David Michael Frank did the score, and he did like showed in a little Tokyo, oh, like yeah, best of the best too. And yeah, all yeah. the scores sort of sounded the same with like the excellent electric guitar music and everything, which is awesome. So, yeah. So Goonies was definitely uh, a favorite, and still is. Uh, I'm so glad I grew up in the era when Goonies came out. Uh, see, he did other movies, which we're not really going to talk about, though, because they're not sort of, you know, too action-related, Inside Moves and The Toy, which are, are both good movies, but um, don't really sort of, won't go into them here. But on a, a horror note, The Omen and, like, The Omen trilogy are still some of my all-time favorite horror movies. They're, they've been mocked heavily, like, with the music and everything. I always remember South Park sort of taking the piss out of the music a bit, but I still love The Omen movies. Uh, have you seen them all? Yeah. Wait, have you, I guess, did you see The Omen before you saw The Goonies, or what did you see first? You said you're you're a big horror person first. Yeah, uh, well, I think I would have been too young to watch The Goonies when I was a kid, but I definitely, you know, I snuck into, like, the room when there were, my folks were watching it, and I would watch it then. Um, and The Omen was one I watched all the time growing up, uh, as well as Halloween, which is still, like, my favorite all-time horror movie, but that's yeah, not to do with us. But yeah, I no, love the Omen movies. I always think they're sort of underrated. Nobody really sort of speaks about them anymore. I mean, people always talk about, you know, The Exorcist and Halloween yeah. things like that in terms of like classic horror. But I, I, I thought the whole concept of the Omen and the Antichrist was just this terrifying idea. And all three movies were really cool. So yeah, uh, love the Omen. Uh, I yeah, so you see I've never, I have not seen. I'm not a big horror person in general, so I've what? not seen the Omen. Yeah, uh, like, oh, I mean, I've, seen, I've seen the Exorcist. It's just a freaking movie. But mm. the Omen is one. Yeah, I think I should watch it now because of you know. Oh, you need to. Yeah, that, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and then you have Sam Neill in the third one. Uh, oh, okay. I love Sam Neill in anything. I just think he's great. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and he plays sort of the grown up Damien. Uh, but yeah, it, it really cool. It's got some good gory kills. It's kind of like a almost like a precursor to Final Destination, where there's like okay. you know uh, deaths that almost look like accidents, but they're you know supernatural, and uh, it's got some good gore. So yeah, definitely worth seeing. I haven't watched them for a few years. It'd be interesting to see if they hold up, but I think they would. Oh, um, nice. And next up would be Lady Hawk, which is uh, fantasy. It's been many years since I've seen that. I don't really remember much about it. Uh, are you? Same here. I mean, I've, see, I've seen that one. Uh, I remember Kurt Russell telling a story about how he was almost in it. He was like, he got there and then he just didn't want to do it. And then that's where Rudger Howard came in. And I think he originally wanted Rudger Howard for it and he couldn't do it. Now he could do it, all this type of thing. But uh, yeah, it's one of those movies I saw, you know, as a kid and just never really revisited, though, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's funny because I mean you see it in uh, in Conspiracy Theory, which is the other Richard Donner film with Mel Gibson, yeah. and when Gibson is running into the theater and he's hiding, and Lady Hawk is playing yeah. there, which is a nice little nod. I sort of like how he has this. It's almost like a universe where he references some of his other movies. Um, yeah, that's a fun thing too because there's always yeah, there's always a carryover of, of his films like that. You know, I think the Lost Boys is on a marquee in one of the films as well that he produced. So I mean, mm -hmm. it's just you know, it's always stuff, and there's always like the Peta 
stickers on the fridge and stuff like that. Yes. I mean, just things like that. So yeah, Lisa Weapon, I remember had that. Had, uh, I think I had like end apartheid now and stuff like that on, yeah. uh, on oh, the yeah. fridges. I remember that. Very, sort of, very, yeah, like that's what you learn about with Weapon 2. Like you learn about that kind of like real stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and they put it in a movie. So, yeah. So um, I, I'm almost too excited to get to uh, Lethal Weapon. Um, in fact, actually, yeah, we're on Lethal Weapon now because Scrooge came out after. Because he basically, yeah, he had the Goonies and Lethal Weapon, like I think in the same year. And they both did like 60 million. So they both did well, but they didn't do like blockbuster stats, but they both did well. Mm hmm. We'll just talk about Lethal Weapon now anyway, because that's, yeah. that's what everybody's wanting to talk about. So, uh, But before that, let's just have a look at some of these comments here. So, From the Omen to Scrooge shows an amazing range of work and style adaptability. Yes, he could do any genre, you know, horror, action. Um, it's so true. Be, and then, you know, how nice. Yeah. Neil before Donner, <laughs> the father's real movie. <laughs> I mean, that's one of those things, I mean, it's a good, it's a great, you know, when Van Damme was coming up, he'd always reference Mel Gibson and say, like, you can't go from Mad Max to Hamlet. He went from Mad Max to Lethal Weapon to Hamlet. And it was like, such a natural progression. Mm -hmm. And I think you always think about that, just like how actors can be a certain thing. Because, you know, Mel Gibson was, you know, just like this young, unknown Australian guy. He's the crazy guy, blah, blah, blah. And then he just becomes, you know, this really fine actor and filmmaker, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, Lethal Weapon, I mean, I can't, I, same thing. I couldn't tell you when I first saw that. It must have been probably on TV, but I remember the VHS. I remember the DVD. I remember the director's cut DVD with the shiny case. And it was just such a, I mean, it's just such a great film. I mean, in the sense of just as an action film, as a buddy film, the dialogue, the action. The soundtrack it's a christmas movie it just like it has so much going for it so mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely and uh, hi marco who's just said hello there uh yeah interesting story about the lethal weapon movies is that i saw the third one first um and and i've done that with a bunch of movies i saw terminator 2 before i saw terminator i saw aliens before i saw alien so it was sort of strange that i would just be sort of introduced to these movies but once i, I I think just got the VHS box set of the trilogy, and when I saw the third one, I mean, you could pick up what was going on in the third one easy enough. I, you didn't really need to have seen the first two to know what was going on, even though there was a few references to earlier events. But um, then I went back and watched the first one, and the first one to this day is still my favorite um, because it's so dark as well as funny. But because it sort of almost went almost a little too comedic towards the end, but the tone of that first movie was fantastic like gibson was amazing the scene where he's you know got the gun in his mouth he's oh yeah no uh, we were, oh. I, yeah it's one of those things when you have something that's in pop pop fiction or pop sorry pop culture for so long it's kind of like it gets diluted right like people don't understand mm -hmm. that first blood he doesn't kill a bunch of people in it because he doesn't but they just think he does because of like rambo and culture and mm -hmm. same with lethal weapon but people understand that he like has like that that whole character of being suicidal we, i watched it with my partner and she was like this is friggin dark i'm like i told you like this is like a serious movie with action and then comedy mm -hmm. and as well like this shows you how Deft a filmmaker he was and how good that script was. So. Yeah, and and it all works and that, that's the thing. But what's interesting is that I don't think I've ever appreciated the Lethal Weapon films more than I have as an adult. I watched them all last Christmas, just all four, and you appreciate just the darkness more and just what each of the characters are, are going through because like I'm in my forties now, and then you know I'm too old for this shit. And I was like, yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> so I get that now. But yeah, um, that's the thing too. So he's like, I, I saw Lethal Weapon. I saw Die Hard and Lethal Weapon at a double feature you know, a few Christmases ago at the, on the big screen. And it's funny, just in a weird way, how like Lethal Weapon is such a more product of its time. It's very '87 or '88, whatever year it came out. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And Die Hard's you know a pretty classy. It's just a very classy film. But Lethal Weapon is just a more enjoyable film for me. Like I can just mm -hmm. watch Lethal Weapon like once a week or once a month or whatever. I could watch Die Hard once a year. You know. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, it's funny. I don't watch Die Hard outside of Christmas. Uh, I just keep it. Then the, the other Die Hard movies I can watch sort of any time. Um, although I think this Christmas uh, we'll end up doing a Die Hard retrospective on like the whole franchise, and we'll talk about it then. We we sort of skimmed over it a few weeks ago on the, the free for all, but we'll do like a detailed chat near nice. Christmas. But uh, yeah, I mean that first Lethal Weapon. You got Al Leong, of course. Uh, just any eighties. It's not an eighties action movie if Al Leong doesn't make an appearance in some way. Yeah. Just Danny Glover and Mel Gibson were so good together. They're, yeah, they are so good together. And it's just so, they're just, I guess they, they've got those drama scenes. They've got those crazy scenes. They've got the comedy. And then their comedy just comes across really well. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's like almost, it almost seems effortless, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yes, it gets sort of a bit more comedic. Um, I see G-Man here says that, yeah, I got a bit uh, too comedic in Sweden. You yeah. know, I really did myself i mean i actually you know part two i think same thing you got a serious movie you know patsy can't gets killed that kind of stuff i mean it's like there's some serious stuff still going on but you know in three 
you know, I, I there are a lot more characters now, and you know, Le like you know, Leo's got a bigger part, Rene Russo, all that good stuff. But I still found Part Three to be an enjoyable film, an enjoyable action film. And you know, it's with the cop killers, and you know, Stuart Whitman's a pretty good villain. I mean, as far as Part Threes go, and even Part Four, Part Four maybe lost a little bit, but you had Jet Li, and they still had them together. Um, I would say it's not too much of a diminishing return. I just, I find them all, they're all enjoyable for those reasons, right? Like you don't yeah. need to have a super dark movie every time, so. No, exactly, but also it was character progression as well, particularly for Riggs, who was you know, suicidal in the first movie. And then as he sort of goes on, I mean, he goes through a lot of crap, you know, and then he loses, of course, Patsy Kendrick as well, which, in the second movie, which is just a, still a devastating scene. Uh, and then the third movie, he uh, meets Rene Russo, and, and then she's sort of his redemption. And then, like, by the fourth movie, it's all family, which, of course, Vin Diesel will like. Uh, <laughs> it's all about family. But yeah, uh, and also when I was younger, and everybody knows this because I used to bitch about it all the time, was I used to hate Joe Pesci as Leo. I used to find him so annoying. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, but when I watched it recently, I actually love him as a character now. Uh, and I didn't find him annoying. And and even in the fourth movie, where a lot of people will dump on, I actually love that scene when he does the little. He was talking about Froggy, uh, yeah, and it was like yeah. his best friend growing up. And it's just sort of like sort of tragic scene where he never really had any friends. Uh, and you know, I just actually really grew to to like the character, and he didn't annoy me at all anymore. So um, yeah, that was another thing. There's just so much more I got to appreciate whenever I watched it recently. And if anybody hasn't watched them for a while, I'd recommend like whenever you're older, you know, reach like your late 30s, early 40s or whatever, watch them again because you really do just relate more to the characters. And uh, it, it is it is a grown-up movie. A lot of people think, you know, action movies are, you know, oh, they're just, you know, for teenagers or whatever. And I'm like, no, I think movies like Lethal Weapon and, you know, the first Die Hard are very much adult-orientated where they deal with people with real problems rather than just being, you know, the one-man armies, which we got with, like, Commando and whatever. But, um, yeah, I think Riggs and Murta are the best buddy duo of of all time would you agree yeah i mean it's one of those things that you think of people you know right away you go to like butch and sundance but that was you know that's mm -hmm. one movie right i mean these guys did that for four movies you got the cameo the cameo i mean even that cameo in maverick you're like it just, it just makes you smile it's all of a sudden mm -hmm. the music and he pulls down the handkerchief and stuff it's just you're like yeah like if you know you know and it's just like mm -hmm. a whole kind of connected universe thing and just yeah you just think about just the goodwill i think from just all of dick donner's movies and i would say yeah lethal weapon four I think that's the one that has a tr the credits where it shows all the people from the the the, the, the cast and crew, and it shows like how mm -hmm. much how much they liked each other. You know, it's like it's pretty yeah. cool. You know, but yeah, yeah I mean, as far as on screen duos, yeah, I mean, I can't think of. I'm trying, I mean, you know, Kurt Russell and Stallone are great, but you know, mm -hmm. they're not they're not uh, Mel Gibson, and Danny Glover. So no, but I I, I do think though that's going to be a future live stream will definitely be the the best body movies. So we'll do that at some point in the next few weeks and just chat about some of the, the best and maybe ones that don't work or whatever. But yeah, uh, definitely Lethal Weapon was great. And then Bad Boys is good as well. I do like uh, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith as, as a duo. They are, they are a good duo for sure. I'm trying to think of it now. You got me thinking of like other buddies, of course. I mean, of course, Rush Hour, they did a good job yeah. together. Eddie yeah. Murphy and Nick Nolte in 48 Hours and another 48 Hours. I do enjoy them too. Yeah, yeah. Home. Uh, even yeah, even Jackie Chan and um, Owen Wilson, Shanghai Noon yeah. Nights. Those are both good movies. So yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean it's just a, it's a great genre. But also, like I've just been watching today, uh, Stakeout and another Stakeout. So you got Richard Dreyfuss and uh, Emilio Estevez, and I forgot actually how entertaining those movies are. So uh, I'm going to do a versus article on them in the next few days. So stay tuned for that, everybody. Have you watched uh, Young Guns One and Two recently though? I watched them a few years ago, uh, okay. like yeah. not not that long ago. Like I still remember them all. So. Um, but I think the most distracting thing about the um, the stakeout movies is Emilio Estevez's mustache. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like there, there seems to be a slug or something in your upper lip. <laughs> Sorry, really distracting. Uh, nice. But yeah, no, I love the Lethal Weapon movies. Michael Kamen's score, of course. Uh, it's mm -hmm. you got that like the the saxophone and the guitar and everything. I mean, sometimes it got a little you know intrusive, but it's so iconic that it, and it's it's very similar to. The Die Hard movies as well, which is of course what he also did. So, um, but here's actually, the question I'll, for you. I'll tell you. Actually, I'll tell you a quick. So basically, I know we're gonna talk about it. basically. So, been in LA for a long time now. But one of the first things I did here when I, when I got to LA was I interned at the, uh, the Donner's company by run by him and his wife Lauren Schuler Donner. And I'll just tell you a quick lethal weapon story to that. Though basically, this crate showed up. We didn't know what it was. So we op we go to open it, and I'm pulling this crate open. This guy's like looking in, and it cracks, and he like jumped back. And we open it up and end up being it ended up being like the, the C4 plastic explosive like um, prop from mm. part three. 
from Planet Hollywood. They had sent it back to the office. So he like, huh. I, he's like looking at this box and we don't know what's inside. I break the wood. He thinks like he sees a bomb. He freaks out and he like jumps away. It was pretty funny. <laughs> so. that, that would be hilarious, but terrifying at the yeah. same time. Like, what were they thinking? Did nobody yeah. phone them to say, yeah, we're delivering and that's, this bomb? And that's one of those things of just, you know, those movies at that time, you know, people don't give enough credit, I think, to just those movies and how much they did for real. You know, I was just mm-hmm. talking about just, Stallone being a you know writer, producer, actor, choreographer, bodybuilder, shape, you know, doing all that for one movie. You know, other people can't even do, can't even like direct a movie that well. And then you get Lethal Weapon, where just you know they're just crushing everything, destroying everything, driving cars through buildings. You know what I'm saying? Blowing up city halls and stuff like that. I mean, it's just it's just a lot of fun to watch. So yeah, and that's why they still hold up, like because you're not relying on your know, visual effects. It's like real stunts and and explosions and squibs galore, and that's why it all still looks great. Um, so yeah, no, I actually love all the Lethal Weapon films. I, I remember when I gave Lethal Weapon 4 a positive review, I got sort of dumped on by people who'd be like, it's a terrible movie. And I was like, well, to be honest, I've still watched that before all of the stuff that gets released in theaters now. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very true. And that's the thing. I just, you know, you get franchise fatigue, you get this, you get that. But, you know, they had such a good run for those 10 years. And so maybe it was a little bit, maybe not as, it's also just not as original as it was, as it once was. And now you, you yeah. also know a lot more about you know, Mel Gibson, Joe Pesci, Danny Glover, whoever, because they've just been, now they've been famous for 10 years because of these movies. So just, you're just, you know, maybe you've had, you've had too much of them as well. But as a, you know, you go back and watch that, it's, it's just so good for like, so. Yeah. And and now that uh, Mr. Donner has passed away, and I know they've been talking about doing Lethal Weapon 5, and we got a few comments on our Instagram page where people were saying, well, maybe as a tribute, you know, somebody else should direct Lethal Weapon 5. As far as I'm concerned, I would just leave it. I, I think it ended fine with four, and with uh, Richard Donner, it's it's just not lethal weapon. Um, yeah, uh, and that's and that's one of those Hollywood stories, you know. I mean, you know, it's pretty, you know, basically Richard Donner, like I said, was a Warner Brothers kind of cash machine for a while, and then started, you know, whatever happened, he wasn't at Warner Brothers anymore, and he was just kind of doing his own thing. But Joel Silver comes up, you know, with him and behind him, whatever like that, and he 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 gives Warner Brothers the Matrix. But it's just yeah, just a very. Uh, just like that genre of stuff and just like him going away from it a little bit, but just like, yeah, you were saying that journeyman, that journeyman thing. He wasn't, he wasn't a factory. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He wasn't a factory like Spielberg. He had, he wasn't a one, he didn't create a technology like George Lucas did, but just, he had been around for so long. So it's, it was kind of, it's kind of a bummer to see him, uh, you know, not have that, 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 that shot later on. Mm-hmm. Although I have to say, it has been nice to see the amount of tributes he's been getting, like online from people, and uh, even Spielberg did a nice tribute to him and said he was sort of like a father a figure and a huge inspiration. So uh, I think that was awesome. So um, just have a look at some of these comments here. So sure. Marcus says, "Great to see Mel Gibson getting crazy after his girlfriend was killed in part two. The scene where he takes down the house, pure gold. Yes, yep. that yep. was awesome. So uh, I'm trying to think what my favorite." action scene is from the lethal weapon franchise there's some great ones i mean that still mm-hmm. house coming down is a good one for sure um yeah. you know even that end fight with uh in part one where just you know they drive the car through the front window and then they they have a jujitsu fight in the rain kind of thing i mean it's mm-hmm. it's a lot it's a lot going on and that whole you know helicopter sequence and the street chase and stuff in hollywood yes. i mean there's there's a lot of sequences you can point to and so many stuntmen, you know, like they, they probably employed a lot of stuntmen during those the, those days so. oh absolutely yeah and i think the uh as would you mentioned that that fight scene on the lawn between Gary Busey and Mel Gibson? I, I love it. I mean, it, it, yes, it's ridiculous and you know wouldn't happen in real life, but who cares? It's a movie. Uh, but just the fight scene itself, I, I just absolutely love. And Gary Busey as Mr. Joshua is just an iconic villain. And just the scene where he's like holding the yeah, lighter exactly. under his arm. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. so many great scenes. Uh, and yeah, that was Gary Busey just in his absolute prime uh, in that movie. And uh, yeah, and no, I love all of Lethal Weapon films. Uh, Wolverine 626 says, all body cop films owe a debt to Lethal Weapon as it really started the formula. It did, yes. Oh, I mean, the whole thing of him, you know, are you trying to get Section 8, that kind of thing? Yeah, well, is he crazy? Mm-hmm. Is he not crazy? I mean, it's like all those things came from. I mean, maybe they've been around before, but they were not popularized like that. Until mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, De Niro and Groden. Yeah, Midnight Run was excellent. Love that. The damn saxophone drives me out. Yeah, the saxophone could get a little tiresome at times. I was no, the saxophone, like those little, those little, the little drum beats, like the, I can't even, yeah. I don't even know what kind of noise that is, but like in the trailer, just like that, that whatever drum beat and whatever. But yeah, it's some great, and the fire credits and stuff like that. So yeah, we'll love that. Uh, I particularly uh, loved in part three, uh, the Sting and Eric Clapton song, It's Probably Me. Yeah. Uh, I always like that. I was thought it was, it was almost like a Bond theme. Uh, but yeah, the third movie had some good action scenes as well. I loved the finale 
uh, in the construction site. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like what does he says, go go to hell rigs, and he's like you first. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. The, the whole uh, the whole uh, cast truck sequence and stuff, mm -hmm. and, the, and the female guard and stuff like that. I mean, it's all really, it's all good stuff. And then um, yeah. this poor uh, police psychologist who's the mom of the Goonies, right? Mm -hmm. She's always in every, you know, it's just such like I said, it's just such a progression of all that stuff. But yeah, I love in part three with uh, yeah, there's some great sequences in that one too, and mm -hmm. uh, and and they're on the subway where you're like, there's a subway in L.A. What? you know so oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's right um and then of course the fourth movie has jet lee in it so any criticism is void because jet lee is in it um and uh, you've got the the final fight scene where the two of them take him on i mean there's no way those two would have beaten <laughs> jet lee in a fight but it's still uh awesome to watch and just seeing jet lee as a villain you know in hong kong would be dead i, I just yeah, all love all that with his little be beads yeah, and everything yeah, yeah he, he was great uh and then Un uncle benny Oh yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, gosh, the dude, the dude was on Kung Fu. And, I mean, basically on all those shows. But uh, mm -hmm. Uncle Benny, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a lot of people think Lethal Weapon Two is the best of a series. I, it's kind of joint for me. The first one is my favorite. I adore the first one. That will always be my favorite. But the second one is super close. Like I really love Lethal Weapon Two. So what about you? You know, I mean, the one I think about more than part, I, I, for me, I think the ones I would watch in order, I would watch one, three, two, four. Because three, mm -hmm. like three, you know, the whole thing with like the kids, inner city stuff and the gangs and this and that. And just, it was that one part where, you know, he's like, the son says, word, dad. And he's like, word, Riz. Where they <laughs> hey, word, Raj. I don't know. <laughs> you know I, just, I, I love that. Yeah. And it's like, what are yeah. we talking about? Word, W at the start, D at the end, or in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So. I don't see Lethal Weapon 5 happening with. Oh, I'm Donald. sorry. We're talking about Lethal Weapon 5. I went on a total tangent. So basically, Lethal Weapon 5, right? Hollywood story that, yeah, that's oh, okay. it's supposed to happen many times. You know, I think Shane Black wrote it. I actually asked Shane Black that at a convention. I said, hey, is like, Lethal Weapon 5 a real thing? And he, his response was, you know, that Mel Gibson's just a drunk, right? He's actually a pretty good guy. And this was like in the time of Mel Gibson, like having problems. Mm -hmm. And so and I was like, oh, and he, so he didn't answer the question. He just basically said that he basically was just vouching for Mel Gibson. But, mm -hmm. um, um, you know, and that's one of those things, I think they try to do it without Dick Donner because Joel Silver, I think, was working on it. He's so more in-demand producer because of the Matrix films and that kind of thing. Dick Donner had been, had been pseudo-retired kind of thing or just not as prolific. And I think he tried to do it and allegedly Mel Gibson wouldn't do it without Dick Donner. So which, that mm -hmm. says a lot. And, yeah. I th and I think you saw, you know, there were rumors that yeah, Dick Donner like had a script for, for an idea for Leap Up in Five in the last like five years, but just never mm -hmm. came around. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his last film was 16 blocks, which was, uh, what, 2006? 2006. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and I don't, I don't know if you saw, uh, Dean Devlin had done a post saying that he had tried to get financing for a movie, a Western actually for Dick Donner to direct in the last few years. And it just didn't happen because of ageism and that kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. which seems to be very much the case because there's so many great directors out there from when, like when we were growing up who haven't been directing anything. Like I know, you know, John McTiernan had his issues and everything, but uh, he was an awesome director. So I would love to see John McTiernan back directing things again. Yes, yeah, it's, it's nice to see Walter Hill directing again. I mean, this is mm -hmm. you know, it's just these are not spring chickens anymore. You know, and, and I mean, Dick Donner at ninety one had a had a real full life and a real full career doing TV fifty sixties movies seventies through the nineties and two thousands. I mean, the dude the dude lived a life for sure. So mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so sorry, just finish some of these comments here. So yeah, I don't see Lethal Weapon Five happening without Donner. Maybe Shane Black or Mel Gibson could direct, but after the Predator, not sure about Black revisiting old franchises. Mm. I know. Well, I'll, I will say that I enjoyed the Predator. You're one of the three people that liked the Predator. Don't need to linger on it, but I did enjoy the Predator. So <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> uh, anything with Rene Russo is worth checking out. Agreed. I love Rene Russo. Awesome. I mean, and, and that whole rumor that allegedly what um, they originally talked to Mel Gibson about being Odin in the Thor the Thor uh, films, and so it would have. Mm -hmm. Put them back together, him and Rene, Rene Russo. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that would be pretty cool. That would actually be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, maybe I, I imagine this, but did it not come out that like Mel Gibson was bipolar? I mean, I think there's a lot. Of Mel Gibson, you know, he's deeply religious. He's got an alcohol problem. He's got this. He's got that. So I think mm -hmm. there's probably just a lot more. I mean, I can't. You know, I'm not ruling out bipolarism, but mm -hmm. and it's just one of those things. And that's one of those things too. Growing up, and you know, as you get older, just you know, separating the art from the artist kind of thing. And yeah. hey, he, he paid the price. He he was blacklisted for sure, but uh, the guy still was an amazing actor and still an amazing filmmaker. So yeah. I, I take it. I take it as a. Yeah, I know. Agreed. Um, I know this probably isn't something people want to hear sort of talk about, but I think it's sort of it's an interesting subject because he was blacklisted, but uh, and it is hard sometimes to separate them from their, their work, but. 
sometimes you have to because I mean, if you didn't watch a movie starring with people from Hollywood, I mean, you know, you wouldn't watch too much if, if people were assholes because you know that's a lot of people. So that's yeah, a and, and that was the cool thing with with uh, with that was a thing. You know, you didn't have cameras back then. So when I was intern, you know, he had this they had this beautiful office in Beverly Hills, and you walk in, there's you know memorabilia everywhere and. His office just had photos of like all the films he'd worked on. There's like signed stuff from everybody and, you know, mm-hmm. One-Eyed Willie. And you used to see, you could just tell like the things that, you know, people had sent to him as like just for their gratitude for working with him. You know what I mean? And there was, like I said, there's signed stuff from Mel Gibson and other people just like, hey, I'm on set, blah, blah. I hope you're well. You know, just stuff like that. And it's just like, mm-hmm. that's cool. You know, it just shows you, like I said. And I'll give you a story, a quick one about that. He was super just like you'd, you'd hear him come in he's like super loud has a super very distinctive voice but he would just like talk to you he'd be like hey kid what's your name blah blah, blah. Like, what are you doing blah, 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 blah. and you know and at that time i was in my 20s so i was in pretty good shape and he would he had just started working on the trainer and he was like how many days a week could you work out i'm like like four he's like yeah go fuck yourself kid and then you know and then um but i was saying what really summed it up though something spilled or something happened in his office and you know i'm an intern there's an assistant there's people around and he he's on his knees scrubbing the floor like scrubbing the stain out of the floor. I'm like, that's kind of tells you everything you need to know about this guy. And this is after all the success he's had, all the money he's made, that kind of thing. So it's just like, he was just that kind of guy. So yeah, just a normal guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have the ego. Yeah. 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 He seemed awesome. Anytime I saw him interviewed or or just with the people he worked with, everyone seemed to have nothing but nice things to say about him. Uh, And just like seeing the way he he worked with Mel Gibson, just on uh, a bunch of movies, Uh, particularly uh, like Maverick is, like actually one of my Maverick favorite was yeah we were just talking about this I mean this was what 1994 I saw because yeah. I think I saw Lethal Weapon 4 in theaters so I was 98 so I saw Maverick I was 94 I didn't see Lethal Weapon 3 I don't think in theaters because I would have been maybe too young for that but uh, Maverick yeah I was probably like what 10 years old at that time and just it's just yeah. like it's a fun movie and I, I didn't even like westerns yet I, I actually ended up liking westerns probably later like in my 20s and 30s but this at this time I'm 10 years old and here's a friggin western based on a show that's been you know from the 50s but just what a good time, you know, with him, Jodie Foster, and James Garner. So. Oh, it is, yeah. And there's so many little references, like we were saying, the the Lethal Weapon nod where you've got Danny Glover. And then uh, one of the other robbers was Corey Feldman as well. Yeah. And then it was only whenever I watched the movie last night that I noticed Margot Kidder was, was in it. Uh, and she has that small role as yeah, Magdalene. Counting count, count the money. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was her. And then there's so many cameos in it like during the poker games like Waylon Jennings and people like that all, all showing up and it, it was just a it's just this wonderfully feel-good film uh you know it's, it's just harmless fun and it's the type of movie we don't really see anymore but I just yeah. felt like the acting was was great I love Mel Gibson was so well cast uh I just thought he, he had just like the charm uh, to play Brett or Bert, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, the, the running joke through it. But uh, yeah, you know where uh, I got this shirt, Lady Paris France. Paris France. <laughs> and then Graham Greene too. I mean, Graham Greene playing, you know, indigenous person who's like funny and conniving oh, and making yeah. money. I mean, just like what a great, you know, because all those films you can go ahead and start pointing out like what it did or did not do for the image of those people. But mm-hmm. here's a role for this guy just to shine in, you know what I mean? And so between that and Die Hard with a Vengeance, like that guy had a good run in 93, 94, right? So. He stole those movies totally. Uh, yeah. I mean, particularly in Maverick, that scene. I mean, I, I hadn't watched it for a few years, but I always remember the scene when they, they first appear uh, and uh, Maverick is like talking to them and they're pretending what, what they're actually saying to scare Jodie Foster. Yeah. And uh, I, I absolutely love that sequence. And then uh, the great, great stunt work as well during the, the stagecoach scene which is of course a nod to stagecoach the classic western of old um but yeah absolutely love maverick really underrated um oh we never mentioned radio flyer it's not really an action movie radio flyers i mean i I remember seeing that on vhs and same thing like you know you don't put that together that this is a guy who did lethal weapon this is a guy who did whatever and we didn't we got to talk about scrooge as well but Mm -hmm. radio flyer was such a weird it's a different movie and i I think he walked into that like late in the production had to you know do his own thing and blah 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 so it wasn't quite a movie that he you know that he, maybe he was super passionate about. I think he kind of walked into it maybe as a, as a for hire, as a favorite mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, yeah, maybe yeah. But uh, yeah, well, let's talk about Scrooge for a second, which is actually still one of my favorite Christmas movies. I, I watch it like maybe not every year, but every couple of years, I have to watch it, and it still holds up. It's one of my favorite um, uh, Bill Murray roles. There's, there's like so many quotable lines. Yeah, it's like uh, what I'm saying. Like these movies, you know, same thing. He's got this. He's done the Omen. He's done Superman. He's done uh, the Goonies. He's done the Weapon. Now he does a freaking 
Christmas movie with Bill Murray. And it's hilarious. You know what I mean? Because it's like the whole thing, it's so dark in that world of like the, the ghosts of Christmas past and this and that. Mm -hmm. But just even, the, you know, that first part where they're playing the commercial where he's got, you know, it's like drug addiction and, you know, highway highway killers and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. then, you know, the lead major's Christmas and stuff like that. It's just really, it's really creative. You know, you see like the scripts were like, were good and like everyone pulled it off really well. But yeah, I love Scrooge for sure. It's definitely one of my favorite mm -hmm. Christmas yeah. movies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Particularly the, uh, would you please, for the love of God, <laughs> stop the goddamn hammering. I, I mean, that's just something like me and my, my cousins and co all the time to this day. It was just a, a great Christmas movie. So, I mean, he's done that and Lethal Weapon. So it's two very different Christmas movies, but they're both yeah. Christmas movies. But the one, um, I, the, the thing I do a lot is just like when he's, uh, I think he's already, he's, he's already seen the first ghost and he, he pours the vodka and he has like the, the, the Coke and he's just like, you know what I'm saying? He puts, oh, yeah. like a, he puts like a drop of tab in there and he starts drinking. So that's why I think <laughs> of when I, you go to a bar, like, hey, just pour, pour me something, just like a drop. Just like give me a, a splash. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's still just uh, an awesome movie. I absolutely love Scrooged. Um, sorry, I just uh, keep forgetting to look at these comments. Lethal Weapon 4 introduced me to Jet Li. Too bad Hollywood didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, you did uh, deserve it. Uh, what's that movie? But from Joel Silver. Gosh, the rap ones with him and DMX. Oh, oh yeah, it did. Oh, Roman was not, not bad. Cradle of the Grave, not like not amazing, you know. The one, okay. What about? How, what do you think? Yeah, there's like Romeo Must Die, which I actually kind of like. Um, the one, uh, Kiss of the, Kiss of the Dragon. That's actually pretty movie. good. That, that, that was, was pretty good. good. Yeah, that was, I like that. Yeah. Um, that was cool. And then, of course, the Expendables movies as well. Um, but yeah, I so. would say we should we should do one next time when when uh, Snake Eyes comes out. We should do one about Henry Golding and Russell Wong. I feel like. Henry Golding has the career Russell Wong should have had because he was like yes. the handsome, you know, the handsome um, Eurasian guy of the 90s who had a TV show and was in a couple of movies, but then didn't quite make it in the mm -hmm. sense that other people did. So always bothered me that Russell Wong never became a huge star because I remember when I watched Romeo Must Die and he makes the entrance, he has the shades on. And I was like, that's yeah. literally the coolest man I've ever seen. He's so cool. Yeah, he's got his like his kind of like uh, duster leather jacket or pants on and the fight scene with, you know, in the fight with the, in the club. I mean, he. He really pulled it off well. They made him look really good in that movie. So, mm -hmm. absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Love Unleashed. Unleashed is maybe his best Hollywood one because uh, you got uh, Bob Hoskins there, and then Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Freeman yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, even Scott Atkins has a small role as well. Okay. Um, was that Love the James Garner reveal at the end of Maverick? Yes, and I'm really happy it. for that one because you know I don't know if you if you read the uh, the old stuff or just they, they try to get Paul Newman be in that right and then they got but then paul newman didn't do it so they got james garner the original maverick and just he's one of my favorite actors as well so i'm glad he showed up in it and he's mm -hmm. he's so good in it too so oh absolutely yeah i say absolutely too much but anyway <laughs> just was that i just said all the time uh but yeah moving on to another film which sort of gets dumped on by most people and is forgotten about but i secretly love it is assassins with sylvester stallone and antonio banderas do you remember, like, okay, so now we're in 96, so do you remember, like, where you were when you saw this? Was it the TV, VHS, theater thing? Where were you? I saw it in the theater. Now, I can't remember if I did this as a double bill or not, or I did it in, like, a weekend, but I remember seeing that and Under Siege too. so it was really the perfect weekend, really, when you think of it. It's, like, two classics right there. But, yeah, I, I remember seeing that in the, in the theater and loving Antonio Banderas, seeing him just as, like, this maniacal villain, and yep, as today yep. I become number one. <laughs> uh, I, I love that. And then Sylvester Stone too, who's uh, Robert Rath. I was trying to remember the character's name. I saw uh, that one. Yeah, it's, I mean, that was what, 96? And so just, and that was a big, you know, that was a decent sized movie. And like, you know, you had Stallone, who was a big star, kind of struggling a little bit in the 90s there. And, you know, uh, Richard Donner trying to maybe get away from Mel Gibson for a change, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and that's one of those movies like, yeah, it's almost like I don't really revisit. You know, I remember them talking about that in the office that, they thought they might have friction because you know you have a big director and a big star, but they said they got along really well. They said Stallone loved him and he loved Stallone. So it's like, mm -hmm. what else can you ask for? But I just, yeah, it's, it's one, like I said, it's one of those movies where that era of Maverick for sure, conspiracy theory, I'll go back and revisit. But Assassins, like, okay, if I'm in a Stallone mood, I'll go back and revisit that because of just what you were saying. Like it's, you know, him and Tony Banderas, Julian Moore, Hitman movie kind of thing. But just I don't, mm -hmm. you know, just it's just maybe, maybe the subject matter or whatever like that or the script is just not as doesn't cater to his to his strengths. Let's say that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like a, a classic action movie, but I still really enjoy it. And uh, it's the action movie, yeah, no more. 
chit chat. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I say that all the time. Yeah, I need to start. Summer, right, I, mean, I, I think of Stallone eating a banana, like typing, you know, just very moody and just you know that giant '90s laptop and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, I mean, yes, it is a product of the, the '90s. But and then you got Julianne Moore, of, of course, who yeah. I love in that role too. And I kind of like how she she was kind of a kick ass female as well yeah. you know yeah, she, yeah. she wasn't screaming or waiting to be rescued or whatever you know she could take care of herself i mean yes robert rath would come and help out or whatever but she was you know she was never screaming or, or annoying i thought she was uh, a good character oh yeah and it was written and by think, uh yeah it was, I mean, it was written by the wachowskis right wachowskis, and, yeah and then um what was it and then i think that's the first movie she got a million bucks for so it's like good for her really? you know yeah. ah, good. russell Long was good and sadly short of tv shows vanishing sun and black sash he should have yep. been a big action star. Agreed. Vanishing, was, I love Vanishing mm -hmm. Sun. That was, I mean, it's, it was syndicated, so you never knew when it was really on. So I remember mm -hmm. I had VHSs of, you know, recorded Vanishing Sun in the 90s for sure. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I remember I shot, one of the first articles I ever did on the site was Sue Me, I Like Assassins. Uh, and I remember that was sort of a good few years ago. But uh, yeah, I, I remember just, uh, I remember thinking it was sort of a little long. I think everything's too long. I think every movie's too long. I'm like, if it's over 90 minutes, it's too long. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But no, I, I do like it. Like, it's not a spectacular film, but it has its moments. And Richard Donner was always great at doing action scenes. You know, he would always use, you know, like the, the real explosions and like the saying, do practical stunts. And uh, there's plenty of that in Assassins as well. But there's, there's a, a scene at the beginning and it always stuck with me. And it's a line which I still say all the time when Robert Rath is taking the guy out into the swamp. Uh, and he says, I wonder what shoes will you be wearing when your day comes? <laughs> and, and there's something about that line which just sort of stuck with me. It was kind of uh, haunting. But, uh, it was kind of, sort of a moody film. I love movies about assassins. Uh, anyway, like just assassins are, you know, my thing. Um, Is that the one? He, and he has the he has the gun hidden in like the cast at the funeral. Is that that one? Yes. Yes. Shooting, yes. He's like shooting the yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's been a few years since I've watched. It. I need to watch it again. Um, yeah, no, there's a there's a cool poster of that in the office. I think the one that I think of is like that there are two faces kind of like between walls, but there was yeah. a cool one of Stallone kind of it was like full body silhouette, like holding a gun. I think kind of reminiscent of like that get Carter post that came after it, but more goes it was for assassins. So I don't know if that was like a, a design concept or something like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, not a classic, but still hugely entertaining anyway. And then yeah. uh, 1997, we had Conspiracy Theory, and I watched that this morning, uh, which I I'd actually only watched it once when it first came out. and. Uh, a lot of people say it's like one of their favorite Mel Gibson films, but I always considered it more of a thriller than an action movie because yeah, there's many I action scenes in it. Yeah, because yeah, you know, he is, it's that whole thing, he plays such an, an odd character and plays him so well, right? And I mm -hmm. always remember that scene, like just his apartment building, how compartmentalized it was, and he did the whole mm -hmm. thing, like the fire, you know, he, like, where he set it on fire and it's all protected and stuff like that. It was, like, mm -hmm. it was very clever that way, you know, and so... Yeah, it's not it's not a summer slam bang action film like buddy comedy action movie, but it's yeah, like you said, it's a thriller. You know, what I mean, and so it's a, it's a different it's a different thing for them. So you know, kudos to them for trying something different. You went from four lethal weapons to a, a western to that. It's like that's cool. You know, what I mean, it's like you try yeah. something different every time. Yeah, I was never afraid to do anything different. And also, what what I liked is that I loved uh, Julia Roberts' character in yeah. Alice uh, because she saves him at the end. Yeah, uh, which I liked. It wasn't like her being the same or anything. So, because um, a lot of people complain about seeing you know women in action movies, I, I love women in action movies. And I love watching them kick ass. So, you know, I'm all for it. And I particularly liked seeing her. Uh, That's kind of actually kind of cool. That's actually I just kind of put that together because I think a lot of people talk about James Cameron kind of you know creating strong female characters in his film, mm -hmm. which are very much of those examples. But you had you know Renee Russo, you had um, Julianne Moore, you had Julia Roberts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So you have these strong female characters for Richard Donner as well. And mm -hmm. so it's, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, yeah, it's just one of those like, unsung, unsung things, though, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he didn't sort of make a big deal of it. It was just like, these are right. the characters, and, and that was the thing, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, this is a good point. One thing you can say, the worst Donner film is better than most directors' best films. Uh, yeah. It's so true, because, I mean, you know, we, we, I think we were talking earlier about just he didn't have that many action films, but he just had a lot of memorable films. It's just like mm -hmm. one of those things of, oh, well, you know, you, you might see a criticism, oh, he was, like, very workmanlike, like, Workman like who created eight to ten whatever classic films that people have watched for generations. Like that's mm -hmm. uh, I think I think he just he just wasn't he's like I said he wasn't a, like a wanker about it. You know what I'm saying mm -hmm. I think you know it's a famous thing like he had that thing saying leave your ego out the door kind of thing. And so that was him. He's not over here like I'm gonna do ten movies and that's it. I'm Quentin Tarantino. Mm -hmm. You know or like uh, I'm Zack Snyder. I'm a, I'm the visionary. Whatever. It's like mm -hmm. he was just doing his friggin' thing and, and and just making people happy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, he just did the job, and, and that was it. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't looked for them, but I've never heard anybody say any bad stories about him, or, or this movie was a nightmare to work on, or anything else. So, um, yeah, I, oh, yeah, I think he's one of my favorite underappreciated directors. Even if he just did *Lethal Weapon* and *Superman*, those alone are you know some iconic movies. Um, yeah, because like, like, even the ones we've talked about so far, I mean, you've got what *The Omen*, *Superman*, Le *Lethal Weapon*, *Scrooge*. You know, Goonies. I mean, it's like, and then plus the sequels and stuff like that. Maverick. I mean, it's just you know. I mean, any. I think any director, because even like Mike, I love Michael Bay, but I, I I talk about Michael Bay with Bad Boys, The Rock, you know, Armageddon, that kind of thing, Pain and Gain. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the Transformers films, but you know, that's one. That's still that's one hand of movies. Like mm -hmm. Dick Donner. It's like I can I can go more than that. So mm. yeah, I mean, The Rock is still one of my all-time favorite action movies. That's 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 Michael Bay's masterpiece, as far as I'm concerned. I love The Rock. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a Michael Bay chat at some point then. Uh, yeah, I love Michael Bay. Michael Bay makes, makes makes fun movies. I mean, Transformers are a little bit bloated, but I mean, they have moments in them, that kind of mm. thing. And I think you know, he always delivers a movie like on time, and he delivers his product. I tell that to Zack Snyder, who has to have a freaking director's cut every time, and you know, another thirty million dollars to finish a movie. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just like there's something to be said about a guy who can actually make a big, good-looking, well-cast movie. And I just think mm. that people just like you know they don't they don't give credit for that. Yeah, and tell a story in under two hours because that's right. always been my, my thing about Zack Snyder, where he, he just can't seem to tell a story in under two hours anymore. Uh, it has to be like you know three or four hours or whatever else. And uh, no, but yeah, uh, Richard Donner always good. So um, this comment though, Patrick Stewart was great in conspiracy yes. theory though, and then the nose biting scene, of course. So yeah, he was so. It was such a bastard in it. Like I, you hated him, and you're like, oh my god, because the way he manipulates Julia Roberts' character, pretending he's you know a friend and like turning her against Jerry, um, yep. and 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 that's the thing is that as I said in the article I wrote earlier, Jerry's a very challenging character. He's not he's not someone you particularly root for at first. Yeah, um, that's I one of those things too. Like, like being a Mel Gibson, by that point he's making what twenty million a movie. He's known for you know he's shown his butt. He's like he's the crazy guy. He this was well, that was before what women want, but this was after he had directed what Hamlet, or he'd been in Hamlet and directed that movie where he's just inset or Brave. It's my right at the same time as Braveheart. Um, you know, as this kind of shows, it's just, you know, the challenges and that kind of stuff. And just, yeah, like the, the, the effort, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Michael Bay detractors are not true action fans. Yes. I would agree with that. I mean, it's like, here's a dude who gives you a movie with like, a, you know, people running around blowing stuff up and taking other worlds and this and that. Like, what do you, what do you want? You know? So. Yeah. And also uh, one of his films, which I'm also uh, a fan of, which nobody really talks about is the Island. His films yeah. are really pretty looking, you know, they always look amazing. And I, I thought uh, the Island's were really cool. So uh, yeah, we, we just saw a, uh, in LA here, there's a car museum and they had like one of the hover bikes from the Island was hanging up. So. Oh really? There is yeah. no island. Yeah, so, oh, here we are. We'd love to hear um, more about you being working for the Donors. How did that sure. happen? So basically, I got out of college at 21, and I was from a small town in Ohio where not a whole lot for film goes on. And I ended up in, you know, it's one of those things where you start, you know, doing your research, and you know, you, you learn like what is an internship, what is a production assistant, like what do you actually do to kind of like try to get work in Hollywood. And one of those things was just everyone's like, do, do be an intern. It's like the easiest way to to get in somewhere is like as a student. So if anyone's listening that has that is or is knows someone who's a student, do you want to get into a company like go be an intern? Because it's like, you know, it's your college credit. You don't get paid. Sometimes you get paid. But, you know, it's really just an, you're just kind of free labor. But mm -hmm. for me, I yeah, went out. I came out to L.A. and the summer after I graduated college and I applied for this you know an internship at the Donner. I, I kind of targeted these places that I wanted to go to because it's the Donner's company. Right. By this time, he had done all of his Lethal Weapon films. She had produced, I think, X-Men 1 and 2. You know, so the, the, between the two of them, they're, you know, pretty iconic. And um, yeah, did that two or three days a week. And basically as an intern, you you answer phones and man the front desk, but you also get exposed to all the scripts coming in, you write coverage, you, you, you greet everybody coming in. So I, you know, this is like 2000, mid 2000. So Sean William Scott was still hot and he comes in and we're, we're talking about Kurt Russell movies because he's just waiting for his meeting. You know, I meet Jeff Johns, the guy who ended up, you know, working with DC and Marvel a lot, mm -hmm. you know, Stephen D'Souza from Die Hard, you know, he came in for a meeting. So, you know, you just kind of sit there and bullshit with people. And then at the same time, you know, you're privy to all these scripts. I mean, there were just there was a, a shelf full of X-Men scripts, a shelf full of like Goonies and Goonies 2 proposals and stuff like that. And just all this memorabilia. So so that was my experience there. Um, and just like a lot of cool people, I mean, a lot of cool people who, would, you know, would look out for you and send you job links and stuff like that. And so and that's how that world is just you go and you be an intern and then you become a PA and then maybe you do something else. And I never quite got that far. I kind of got stuck. Uh, I did some I, I interned at 
the Downers company and then right after interned at Gale and Hurd's company. So two kind of action-based sci-fi mm. places. And then from there did some PA work and just wasn't for me. Just I was in a basement of a abandoned hospital putting smoke out for 15 hours. It's like, this was, it was it's not fun. So <laughs> I don't know. It certainly sounds like it would be an experience anyway. I mean, you have some great yeah, stories. For to sure. tell. And like I said, yeah, with, with Dick Donner, like I said, a handful of experience with him. Like I said, he would just come in and he was just a funny guy and he called everybody a kid. He called you Rocky. Um, you know, he asked me just about my background and just was talking about some, you know, my parents came from Vietnam and he was talking some about some stories that he had, this was after lethal weapon four. So kind of that's, that's similar story, like immigration story. And just, you know, he was just that kind of guy. Um, and yeah, like I said, just, you meet all these random people, you read scripts and stuff like that, you know, you get a hold of, they, they've got copies of like James Cameron's original treatment for the, for Terminator and stuff like that sitting in a drawer. Cause like they made a copy, you know, they've got copies yeah. of that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, so that was uh, my experience with that is in Beverly Hills. Um, and it was like two floors next to Ron Howard's company. So you see like Ron Howard and Brian Grazer always walking around. Mm. Um, you know, people tell me, you know, people start telling you stuff about like, oh, Hugh Jackman was just here. And like, oh, Thomas Jane was next door. And you, know, you start seeing people around the building and stuff like that. So very, very Hollywood. Oh, that, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely due another visit soon. Uh, once we're all able to travel again, whatever, I got to come see you and see if we can hang out with some celebs and break into some yeah, parties. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, that's a good point there from uh, Wolverine Michael Bay's 13 Hours of Return to Work. Yeah, 13 Hours is a great movie. Nobody really talks about that. Uh, yeah, John Krasinski. I mean, John Krasinski, a new action hero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and Max Martini, who I think is an unspoken action hero type guy who I think could do more, but you know, he's got, he's got a great presence. But uh, yeah, I, would, I mean, like I said, Michael Bay does. Like, I, I love Pain and Game. Like, Pain and Game is one of my favorite movies in general, let alone Michael Bay movies. But same thing. People don't give you credit, but I'd love to ask like Anthony Mackie, hey, the guys who wrote the three Captain America films and Avengers films wrote Pain and Gain. Like, what was that like for you as an actor? You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, but. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, moving on to one of uh, his second last film, Timeline, which I hadn't actually watched until last year for the first time because it generally wasn't a, a big hit and didn't get great reviews at the, the time of release. Isn't that right? Yeah, it didn't do very well. And that's the thing. That was like, that was that. And then uh, what? 16 blocks. So, yeah, that was because yeah. he had the, what, young Gerard Butler in there, young Paul Walker post Fast and Furious in there. But, yeah, just mm -hmm. not a big hit. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things of just, I think Dick Donner's kind of guy who I think he needed that material to kind of speak to him to, to kind of apply his trade, right? He needs something that has good characters, has good drama, good comedy, and good action. And so maybe just the scripts at that time maybe weren't, weren't coming to him that, that, or maybe he wanted something different. I don't know. So. Mm -hmm. Whenever I, I watched Timeline, I mean, like it didn't get great reviews, but when I watched it, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I liked the, the final battle scene in the castle and, you know, once again, all practical effects and great explosions. And uh, I love Jared Butler in the movie as well, but, you know, he's Scott, so I've got to support my boy Jerry and everything. Uh, and, you know, I thought that, yeah, the characters weren't amazing in it. Like Paul Walker's character was, you know, a, a little bland, but uh, it's not a terrible movie. As Alex said, a Richard Donner, your movie that's not great is still better than a lot of other directors' best movies. So uh, Timeline is still a lot of fun. Not a classic, once again, but, you know, had its moments. Yeah. And like I said, it's just one of those things of, you know, when you have a, a career that long and that prolific, not everything, you know, it's just like, he was more of one of those old school directors. So like I said, you know, we were talking about he directed so much TV and then, you know, directed a lot of films, you know, pretty regularly until, you know, kind of older age. You know, you just don't see that. Like I said, like you got someone over here who's going to do 10 movies. And, you know, I don't think I don't think Christopher Nolan's going to do another 20 movies. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. So mm -hmm. is fun. Not very memorable, but fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so many of these directors now are like, oh, yeah, going to retire, like you were saying about Tarantino or whatever. You know, I'll do 10 movies or something, and then I'll, I'll stop. And I was like, well, I, I don't know. I mean, if it were me, I mean, I, I always wanted to write movies, except, you know, I sucked at it. So <laughs> there's a bit of a problem. I didn't have the talent for it. But if I was in the movie industry, it would be something I would do, you know, forever because it's, you know, that's pretty much all I think about and talk about. Um, I'm really that's quite a boring thing. person. Yeah, like like Tarantino, he loves making movies, but I think he's just, a, you know, he, he wants his legacy to be whatever because he loves, he loves movies so much. He wants to be up there to say like, yeah, my 10 movies against anyone's, anyone's 10 movies can, mm -hmm. can stack up. And that's, you know, that's a personal choice. Like, hey, that's up to him. But you see guys like Scorsese still going strong and, and Spielberg still going strong. I mean, you know, it's just uh, Clint Eastwood, right? Clint Eastwood's still yeah. going strong, so. Yeah, I mean, God, Eastwood has a movie out later this year, Cry Macho, yeah, and like Cry he's Macho. in his 90s. Yeah, looking forward to it. So I was actually just watching um, In the Line of Fire. We saw Air Force One this past weekend, and so we went backwards with Wolfgang Peterson, 
because uh, we we were in the hotel that they shot the the ending in, in oh, really? downtown LA. So yeah, the the it's the same hotel that they did the horse chase sequence in True Lies, and mm -hmm. they shot some Interstellar there and like Heat and stuff like that. So a pretty famous location in LA. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we're just watching. So we're watching that going back. But even then, I mean, he's and then speaking of Rene Rene Russo, she's a female Secret Service agent, and she's like his love interest, which is kind of weird because in that movie, she's he's a good like twenty years older than her, and, mm -hmm. and it yeah, shows. it's a bit creepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know pigeons, Lily. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I actually love In Lane of Fire. That's uh, one of my, that was, I believe that was the first ever Eastwood film I saw, uh, or at least okay. it certainly was the first I saw in the theater. Um, and I always loved it. It was the first time I'd ever seen John Malkovich in anything. Uh, and he really oh, stuck wow. with me in that as, as Booth. And uh, that was, you know, my love for Malkovich came out at the end. I was like, this guy's great. And he was just, you know, magnetic. Um, and then his I'll, final I'll movie. I'll tell you one more anecdote about the office when I was there. So basically in uh, Dick Donner's office, he had the head for one-eyed Willie from the Goonies. So like the skull with the patch and that kind of thing on, it was like, you know, in this big like plastic case and we were just cleaning his office, doing something. And so I was like, Hey, get the, someone's like, Hey, go move, go move one-eyed Willie. I'm like, okay. So I pick it up and then it falls off the stand. I'm like, Oh shit, I just broke one-eyed Willie. And someone's like, oh, no, 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 it's already broken. Don't worry about it. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to get fired for being an intern today. So. <laughs> today. Yeah. Uh, Wolfgang is another director with range, never-ending story. Yeah, he, he's done Never some story, great Enemy films. Mine. I mean, Das Boot, of course. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you watch his, his movies. Are, same thing. It's just uh, maybe similar to Dick Donner. He, you know, had done these big, you know, character-infused but spectacle kind of movies. And then, you know, at a certain point, you know, maybe life just catches up. You take a little slower pace. Maybe Poseidon didn't do that well you know, kind of thing and, you know, kind of like take a break, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he's still another great director. We may do yeah. one on him at some point. I was going to say uh, the show, yeah, but between Troy and Air Force One and uh, yeah, in the line of fire, he's got plenty of titles to talk about. Oh yeah. And you know, there uh, could be another good one. Yeah. Um, so uh, Richard Donner's final movie that he directed was 16 blocks with Bruce Willis and most deaf. I, it's been a few years since I've seen it. I have it on DVD. I, I think I've watched it once or twice. I don't remember loving the film, but I remember thinking it was okay. What did you think of it? Yeah, I think same thing. And so yeah, kind of quick one. I remember that that poster was in the office. So basically, he was working with Avi Lerner to get financing for it. So they had kind of like a kind of a generic sales poster. You know, Bruce Willis and the director of Lethal Weapon, and you know the the, the cityscape and this sixteen blocks. So I remember that floating around. And like so, I I think he filmed that like right after I ended my internship there. Mm -hmm. And um, but yeah, it's one of those movies where you watch and it's kind of, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's one of those things, it, it maybe didn't play to his strengths. Like the Bruce Willis character is not Martin Riggs, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's kind of a big part of it, you know what I mean? And so it's like you have this kind of broken down, beat up guy that's going to get redemption. That's cool. Like, it's, it's, like I said, it's gritty in that sense, but that kind of like that joy you get from watching any 10 of Rick Dick Donner's films, you don't get that from 16 Blocks. And that's probably by design because of the story, because he wanted maybe just do like a gritty cop thriller. Mm -hmm. But you know, as a, you know, I guess like for, for us who, who gravitated more towards the things that just kind of like were enjoyable, were fun, look like a good time, but at the same time, um, you know, like even Lethal Weapon, it's dark, but it's still fun somehow. Mm. You know what I mean? Whereas 16 Blocks, I think is a little bit more dark and just, it's not, a, it's not a fun movie, let's say. Mm. I, I need to give it a rewatch. Alex says, I liked it. It's really a redemption story for Bruce's character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's totally fine. You know, suspense is the, it's the thing. So, you know, make a smaller scale. Yeah. It's not Lethal Weapon. Get it. But when you have that in your mind, or just the, like I guess, the joy you got from a Lethal Weapon, a Scrooge, a Goonies, a, a Maverick, and then you have 16 Blocks, it's just a different kind of movie, which is totally fine. But just, it's not what you remember, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it was so uh, versatile as a director. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, some of the, the Charles Bronson stuff he did. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, because that dude, you know, Dick Donner worked with all those guys. I mean, Steve McQueen show. He did, you know, he did the Rifleman. He did Twilight Zone with William Shatner, which is a really famous episode. But he had done uh, a movie with Charles Bronson, first movie ever directed, X Fifteen, and then later, like you know, and this is like nineteen sixty sixty one. So Bronson's still supporting guy. He's not like Charles Bronson yet. Mm. But then by the end of the sixties, you know, Bronson's been in Great Escape. He's been in. Um, 30 30 dozen. Dozen. Yeah. yeah, and then he he does this, he does like a Lolita movie with Richard Donner where he's like a, an older writer like dating or hanging out with this young woman. And it's like what? Like the guy who's gonna make Lethal Weapon and the guy who's Death Wish are in this are doing this movie together? Like okay. So. Mm. But it's good though to see him do something different. I mean, Bronson did all kinds of different roles whenever he was younger, um, yeah. and you know, Bronson is you know my absolute 
hero and uh, idol these days. Um, like when people say, love, who's your favorite guy? I think you, you were doing your Death Wish one. I love Bronson, but I can't say I love Death Wish. I love Hard Times. Like mm. Beyond Hard, Hard Times Man. is my favorite. Yeah. yeah. And any movie he did with John Sturges, of course, I'll, I'll watch, you know. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it was one of those things like the, when he actually got famous, famous, it was kind of like I, his, the ship had sailed for me because it was like mm -hmm. the, type, the type of movies he was playing were not, you know, and people he was working with was not the same as what he was doing before. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll be discussing that on Friday night uh, okay. for our, for our Death Wish special. So we're going to be talking all about them and then we'll talk about the, the Bruce Willis remake as well. Um, although there won't be much time spent on that one. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mind the Bruce Willis remake. I, that's you know, okay. As far as, as far as remakes go, it's pretty, it's an action film and, you know, and him trying, it's funny to see Bruce Willis, you know, revert to a normal guy and become that and stuff like no one mm -hmm. can know about him, but hey, whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that on Friday night because I have thoughts on that. Uh, so and um, I'll just see somebody's in the comments here. 16 blocks reminds me of Eastwood's The Gauntlet, kind of. Most death was kind of annoying. Yeah, it was a bit. That's yeah. a good call right there. I mean, The Gauntlet was great. You know, The Gauntlet mm -hmm. was a great, but same thing, Gauntlet was a rough film as well. I mean, of course, that's like an 80s or 70s movie, so it's a little grittier, but you know, yeah, very, very similar. Yeah, I think they, they end up on a bus at the end in both of them, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gauntlet's like, awesome. With like, yeah. with like paper on the windows and stuff like that, whatever mm -hmm. happens. So, yeah. yeah, it's a huge epic finale. Yeah. yeah. So, um, is that everything we've covered for Richard Donner in terms of his movies? So, um, does anybody have any more questions for Yubian uh, regarding his work with? Uh, and when you say work with, I work in uh, internship. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will say, yeah, as we're wrapping up here, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was a cool office. There was a giant, like, black and white photo of, of uh, Merton and Riggs from, from Lethal Weapon. Mm -hmm. and it was all, we were always just kind of moving it around to find a good location for it. So I remember that. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, actually, just before we go, even though it's not Richard Donner, you know, they did the, the Lethal Weapon TV series which didn't seem to go well because uh, I, I, I did watch that and it wasn't I mean because that's the thing you don't get a lot of action TV shows so you had Lethal Weapon no. on the show so I gave it a shot I, it's the same thing when the player was on with um, Philip Winchester and Wesley Snipes like it wasn't an amazing show but you just like don't get a lot of action shows anymore mm. and so uh, I think I watched Lethal Weapon like season one maybe season two before the guy got fired or like that but it was you know, it was, it, they, they, they made it their own you know they, it wasn't just a rehash of the movies per se so mm -hmm. yeah I, I watched the first episode and it wasn't for me because I think even if they called it something else, you could have done it because it really wasn't anything like uh, the, the movies. I mean, there were some similarities, but generally it was it was quite different. And like Damon Wayans and whoever the other guy is, I can't remember his name. They didn't really have the same chemistry that Glover and Gibson did. Right, so. right. And that's the thing too, because it, yeah, it was it was a total reinvention, which is fine. I mean, I think they had success doing that with Hawaii mm -hmm. Five-0 and the MacGyver and um, Magna PI. But yeah, it's just kind of like you don't have. Uh, but Lethal Weapon, I think, was. I don't know, like for me personally, yeah, it's just, you know, this is kind of like the movies are the movies, you know what I mean? And so to have this it's yeah. like training day, training day of the show was interesting because it was freaking Bill Paxton. You're like, okay, they changed the dynamic a bit, you know? So. Mm -hmm. uh, some of those question, most fun project you did there? Yeah, you know, I can't think of like most fun project. Like I said, I read, read a lot of scripts. I wrote a lot of coverage. I got some really good notes on my coverage. And that was kind of like something I was, was doing for a little bit there. And I would say, but what was most fun about just being there was just kind of like the history there. Like, cause it was, it was a decent sized staff. You had support staff for Dick and for Lauren and they were just doing different things, you know? So you'd hear about just the next movies, the next scripts, the people they were meeting, um, the next vacation, whatever like that. And, you know, and Lauren had done X-Men one and two by this point. So she had like the Magneto's helmet in her, on her desk and she had the Cyclops visor. And I remember I actually held some Wolverine claws. So it's like that I go over your hand and you hold this little thing. And so, you know, there's a there's a picture on a flip phone somewhere of me with you know screen use Wolverine claws and stuff like that. So it's just stuff like that. Um, and like I said, yeah, I, and just the interactions I had with Dick, the handful of them that that, I, that that I did have with him, he just seemed like a cool dude. I mean, like I said, here's a guy who had just been super successful for decades and just had done some of the most amazing films and just you know like I said, architect of my childhood with all the movies he did and stuff like that, and just made me laugh and made me you know excited and stuff like that. So just to meet him and just shoot the shit with him a couple a few times and. You know, have them give you shit and that kind of stuff, and just it's it's a great memory. You know, what I mean, like uh, it's just one of those things of, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those funny things. And it really, and it, like I said, it really was what you made of it. I I made the effort to just you could just sit there and answer the phone, or you could sit there and answer the phone and volunteer to do stuff. You know, and you'll mm -hmm. find random stuff around the office and get more scripts to read and that kind of thing. So, I, like I said, I encourage anyone who's out there looking to do stuff like that, like definitely go go be an intern at somewhere you like though. Like find mm -hmm. a company that made movies you like and go intern there because that's what they're doing. So. Hmm. That's good advice. Yeah. Um, before we go, one last question then for you. What is your favorite Richard Donner directed film? 
Oh, uh, that's tough, man. I mean, I'd probably say that's the thing. What's like the best one? Which one do you watch the most? Mm. You know, and, and so I'd probably have, it'd probably be a tie between Maverick, Lethal Weapon, and Scrooge. How about you? Mm. Um, Lethal Weapon, Superman, and Scrooge. I think Superman just because of the impact had, and you know that theme tune is still awesome. As you can see from my vinyl there, but uh, yeah, I, I think those ones. But yeah, love Maverick as well. Um, yeah, he's just on so many great movies. Uh, yeah, and, and Super, Superman have changed people's lives. You know, I mean, that, like that really was a whole thing. It made made you believe someone could fly. And, and that's one of those things. Like I said, like I am not the huge, the biggest Superman character or film fan, but you can't deny that people love that movie and they love that character. And he's a big part of why. So mm -hmm. absolutely, and yeah, J-Man, Superman. I thought that would be your favorite J-Man. Um, yeah, Superman is definitely important because there just wouldn't be the superhero genre without it. I mean, it really defines it. You had mentioned uh, the director's cut. Did you watch part two director's cut? Yes, uh, the, the Donner cut. Yeah, I have it yeah. somewhere. Uh, oh, I have the entire Superman box set. I remember uh, I was in the office. They actually, that actually came up. Like someone had called from like, Michael Thaw, maybe a Thaw, something like that. But basically, this guy was the one who kind of found some stuff in the vault, and they were calling the office, and they were, and the and you know Dick's assistant was like, director's cut. Like, what are they talking about? And so it was like you know hearing that progression of like, oh, they found something. What is it? And then it actually became that director's cut. Was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So. What did he think of it? Did he ever see the the, the Donner cut? Um, I mean, I'm sure he did, but I, I <laughs> was gone by that point. I mean, that was I think 2006 when that got released, so I was gone by like 2005, I want to say. So, mm -hmm. but like I said, like I just remember hearing that on the you know people on the phone talking about, hey, they, they, something's going on, like they found some stuff, and like does he have a like does he have a preferred vision? And you know, it really I think he really had to uh, he had to go back and you know familiarize himself with it. Like, yeah, I don't know if I do or not. That was 78, you know, it's, it was mm -hmm. 30 years ago, whatever it was. So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, the whole thing behind Superman. Uh, it was interesting, just the fact that you know it had been screwed with, and then Lester what was the guy's name Richard the Lester. Guy? Yeah. Richard Lester. Yeah, who ended up being the director of uh, the the second one. But yeah, um, I, I must watch if there's special features on the Blu-ray. Like I watched it once, and and that was it. Uh, I think I actually prefer the theatrical version, which uh, <laughs> don't say that, but, but there definitely was some cool moments in the Donner Cup, though, definitely. Yeah. Um, it was a few, actually a few years ago, the the Academy, because that's one of the things we're talking about. He's just kind of like this, you know, not this whatever factory slash industry darling. He just made people a lot of money and the, and the audiences loved his work. But the Academy did a special tribute to him a few years ago, I think 2017 about, and it was hacked. I mean, like, I'm like, you know, Kevin Feige. Oh, well, Kevin Feige from Marvel started as an assistant to Lauren Schuler Donner. So the guy who gives you, you know, the guy who's the architect of all the Marvel films now, he started at the Donners and worked on X Men and then went on to do stuff with Avi Arad. And then now he runs the Marvel Universe. Uh, but he was an assistant there. And then, uh, but him and Jeff Johns were there. And, you know, yeah, um, Rene Russo and Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. And, you know, the guy, yeah, uh, David Morse and uh, is it John Savage from Inside Moves? I mean, it's just like all these people, you know, everyone who's in one of his movies like showed up. And I think it just shows you how much they loved him. The respect, yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, for people who uh, can't see it, can you stand up a little bit and show your epic t-shirt? Oh, yeah. This isn't uh, Richard Donner related, but it is Universal Soldier, and that is awesome. Okay. Where did you get that? Uh, it's from T Public. They do a, they ah. got a good selection of Van Damme shirts. Go check, go check mm -hmm. it out. I need to get some more, definitely, yeah. Um, all right, well, I think that's it from me. Uh, if everyone wants to tune in on Friday night for the Death Wish uh, chat, that's going to be 8 p.m. EST. And uh, if you could all please like and subscribe and, you know, notifications. I remember to say it because I never do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then we can continue to do this and do more. And if you have any cool ideas, and leave a comment below as well uh, for future shows you'd like us to cover. And uh, thanks to everybody for watching. And uh, rest in peace, Mr. Donner. And yeah, thank you, Eugene, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, man. Yeah, view in peace, Richard Donner. Thanks. Yes, indeed. Bye.